Welcome to our evening service tonight. We're going to start with number 587, If God Be For Us. Let's stand, please, as we worship the Lord. be seated. Well, let's come to the Lord, please, now in prayer and commit our evening time uh, to Him. Our loving Father and our gracious God, we come in the Savior's name tonight in prayer, and we at the very outset of our meeting desire for the Spirit of God to help us in every part of our service We know, Lord, that 
Humanly speaking, we can gather together, calling a meeting, organizing a gathering. But apart from the help of the Spirit of God and the presence of Christ, our meeting would be in vain. And yet, Lord, tonight we are assured by the Word of God that where two or three are gathered in Jesus' name, that He is one in our presence. And so, Lord, we ask tonight that we'll be given the grace and the ability to serve the Master. And in our evening service tonight, as we sing and read the Scripture and pray and listen to the Scriptures tonight, that there would be a blessing suited for every individual believing heart. Father, we know that the Word of God comes to us at every point of our need. And just perhaps when we are at our lowest point, or maybe just needing that word of direction, we know the Scriptures and the Spirit of God writing the word on our heart, opening its truth to us. We receive blessing. And Lord, already today, in the morning service around the Word of God around the communion table, we have experienced blessing on top of blessing. And dear Lord, I pray that tonight it would be no different, especially we pray that the Word would fasten, be fastened to the hearts of those who are unbelievers, those who don't know Christ. That there would be that Word in season, a word directly emphasizing the need of the heart and that Jesus the Lord would be made known to every heart. Lord, hear our prayers tonight. Remember again those who are sick and needing your hand of blessing. We pray for Reverend Cranston. We ask, O oh God, to remember Reverend Bodner. Remember our brother Ron and Serene tonight. Lord, hear our prayers for not only all our sick ones or the elderly and shut in, but we do pray also for those that have lost dear loved ones recently and are still grappling with the reality of it and still trying to make it through. Lord, pour in much grace into their hearts and help them in this time of need. We ask, dear Lord, to remember our school ministry. Ever guard and guide every decision. Dear Lord, defeat the devil in every attempt he has to undermine this work and encourage and strengthen our staff members and our students. And we pray that there would be joy in leading our students to the Lord and seeing them going on in their life, desiring to serve the Master, and desiring that their lives would make a difference for Christ and for the kingdom. Dear Father, bless us now tonight. Hear our prayers, encourage our hearts, remember our land. Dear Father, we need help. We need the reviving of every believing heart, every faithful church, 
and we need a great awakening for the salvation of souls in our nation. We pray again for our leaders. We ask that you would bless them and direct them in right ways and true counsel. And dear Lord, they would be kept from evil ways. Lord, remember the persecuted church tonight, those who are suffering for the cause of Christ in lands and places where there is no real Christian liberty. And Lord, bless them and help them and encourage their hearts. So be with us tonight and bless us in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's sing please again to the Lord's praise tonight, number 595. My soul be on thy guard. We'll stand again as we sing. a true thing that we always, as believers, need to be on our guard, that we do not let our guard down, but to understand that we are in a fight for our faith and truth every single day that we awake. And as we get up from our beds in the morning and acknowledge, Lord, we do not know what this day will bring, but we know we are in a warfare and a battle against the forces of darkness and as we acknowledge that and testify to that and say, Lord, we need your grace and help uh, to enable us and to strengthen us to go forward, well, we are setting off on our day with a prepared mind and heart, and we will take up the armor of God by prayer, taking hold of the shield of faith and the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, and we will go forward to conquer in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Returning, please, in our Bibles now to Psalm 55. Psalm 55, the opening verse. 
Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then I would fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness, Selah. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go about it, Upon the walls thereof, mischief also and sorrow are in the midst of it. Wickedness is in the midst thereof. Deceit and guile depart not from her streets. For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man, mine equal, my guide, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked under the house of God in company. Let death seize upon them and let them go down quick into hell. For wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old, Selah, because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. He hath put forth his hands against such as be at peace with him. He hath broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, Yet were they drawn swords. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. But thou, O God, shalt bring them down into the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in thee. The Lord bless His Word to our hearts tonight as we have read, and as we are continuing in our study of the life of Daniel and considering again the issues of chapter 6 when Daniel was at the sore end 
of those that hated him, those that were against him. And yet there are striking parallels, as we have read in Psalm 55, I believe, to the circumstance that we will review tonight in Daniel's life. Welcome to our evening service tonight. We're glad that you are here. And I say that with all my heart. We're happy that you're in the house of the Lord. And our prayer is that you will know blessing from His hand and encouragement as we look into the things of God. And we have some visitors that are here with us tonight, and you are very, very welcome. And we're happy that you're here in the presence of the Lord and with His people. And if you've returned again to have fellowship with us, we're very happy that you're here as well tonight. We don't want to omit uh, giving a word of welcome to those joining our service online. You're connected, whether you are nearby or at a distance, you're very welcome. And if you are nearby, then we encourage you to and not be distant from us, but come and join us in person if you are at all able. We're happy for the technology of sermon audio and letting the word go out, and we pray that it will be an encouragement uh, to your heart. Well, I said a word of welcome to Dr. and Mrs. McClellan this morning as they have come back from their time away, and say also to our brother George Robinson, he was away visiting some family, and we're happy that he is back safely with us tonight as well. And we think of others who are traveling, Jonathan and Dana, away this weekend, and we pray that they'll be able to be back, brought back safely. And also uh, Jill was away in uh, North Carolina at Winston-Salem Church. She was there uh, speaking at a ladies' conference, and Lord willing, uh, she'll be back later on tonight and safely from, from the Lord. Remember, please, our announcements that uh, follow now 7.30 on Wednesday. Uh, we have a special meeting of the Pregnancy Care Center. It's our midweek meeting of prayer and Bible study. And we have a special missionary outreach and this way on Wednesday night. And so Linda Bartz will be with us. And we look forward to that at 7.30 Wednesday night. Thursday night, our session and board meeting will be at 6 and 7.30. And then next Lord's Day, well, don't forget, Friday night is a gym fellowship. And next Lord's Day are all our services, Sunday school at 9.55, and our morning and evening services at 11 o'clock and at 6.30. Those are all the ministry announcements we have at this time. We're going to sing again as we worship the Lord in number 593. And if the Lord places upon your heart... Uh, to give an offering for the work of God here. The plate is on the table at the back in the foyer as you leave. We'll remain seated as we sing number 593, Oh, for a faith that will endure. And this may well have been Daniel's song at this time and juncture of what's going on in his life. And we pray that no matter what the Lord has in store for us, that our faith will not collapse and crumble under the pressures and under the tribulation we were thinking this morning as we were considering our Savior's final words to His disciples. And He encouraged them, don't let your faith become weak. Don't be offended when persecution comes. Don't be scandalized, but rather be strong in the Savior and go forward in Him.
let's stand as we sing these final two verses and the words of faith that keeps the narrow way till life's last spark is fled and with a pure and heavenly ray lights up a dying bed. Lord, give me such a faith as this and then, whatever may come, I'll taste even here the hallowed bliss of an eternal home. What a precious words these are that no matter what happens we will know the joy of heaven the bliss of heaven as the hymn writer wrote even here on earth no matter what comes let us know the taste and the presence of heaven on earth these final two verses Now turn, please, in your Bibles again to the book of Daniel, chapter 6. Daniel, chapter 6. We're going to begin our reading at verse 10 down to 17. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any God or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but makest his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he had heard these words, was sore displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. 
Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. We'll pause now, please, for a word of prayer. Father, as we have this word, your holy, infallible, inerrant, and inspired word open, we ask again that our hearts will be open to this word. I pray, Lord, that you would come now and give strength and help me to speak the word faithfully and plainly. I would know that necessary anointing of the Spirit, the unction from heaven. And so, Lord, grant that tonight and encourage us and instruct us in the things of Christ tonight. Lord, hear this prayer. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Title for the message tonight for us is this. Daniel found guilty of praying. Found guilty of praying. We know that in our study so far, it's clearly presented that Daniel had been elevated through God's providence and protecting hand to the high office of senior president in the kingdom of Medo-Persia under Darius the king. Babylon was the first of the world empires that was prophesied through the great image that Nebuchadnezzar saw and eventually that he built. Babylon was the head of gold, and the Medo-Persian empire that was coming after was the breastplate of silver. Babylon was overtaken virtually without a fight as the Medo-Persian army were able to redirect the Euphrates River that would run underneath the walls of Babylon, and the armies were able to come in while Belshazzar was drinking himself drunk in a riotous party. Well, as Belshazzar, the night that Darius the Mede and the Persian Cyrus the Persian were able to take over, he was killed. And instead of 
annihilating all of the leaders, including Daniel himself, the wisdom of the incoming king took of those who knew about the kingdom. They took the wisest, the smartest, those who were understanding how the kingdom was being run, and they took them, and Daniel was seen because of the excellent spirit that he had. Well, he was again placed in a very high position. Now, we know that the excellent spirit that dwelt within this man of God was the Spirit of the Lord. And I would suggest to you that it was the mirroring of the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ that was in that man of God. And so, God's prophet was placed in a very prominent position. It's rather astounding when you think about it, as the prediction that God revealed through Nebuchadnezzar in that great dream that he did not know about, and it had not only the dream to be reminded to him of, but the revelation of that dream that there would be four great world empires. And of the first two of them, we have a unique prophet brought to the kingdom for such a time as this, and in of these first two great world empires that were known for their military might and for their advanced civilization, we have a lonely man who manages to get to the very top of both of these great kingdoms. But how did he do that? Did he do it by his own intrigue? Did he do it by his manipulation or maneuverings? No. It was the hand of a sovereign God that placed His servant in the right place at the right time. But His life was not altogether easy. There were struggles and there were challenges to His authority and to His place. And from the youngest of years, we know that He and His three friends had to make their stand very clearly when the king offered them his food and his drink, but they would not take it. Because they feared God and because they were Jewish people, they were concerned about not just dietary restrictions. They were concerned of the God of heaven and of what He had commanded them to do and not to do. And so they faithfully followed. And Daniel, as a young teenage boy, took his stand for truth in an early day. My, is that not encouraging for the youth of our day, for the young men, the young adults, the young women of our generation to take their stand upon the Word of God and take their stand for righteousness and truth in a compromising day? We are today living friends in a great day of compromise, a day when there is an attack against the church of Christ. There is an attack against the people of God. And we are seeing the mounting evidences of that attack against God's people. Daniel is now an elderly man in his late 80s. It is predicted by those who are more expert in evaluating the 
time frame. And there are those who were with him in the Medo-Persian kingdom that were very jealous of Daniel. Oh, they knew him well. And I suggest to you, he knew them well. And perhaps they would not have so openly opposed him. We read in Psalm 55, and as we read through it, surely you would have seen how that David, in another time period, and other circumstances, but very, very similar details about those that were very close to him. He spoke, David spoke about those who were his equals. In other words, his counselors. Men he may have called his friends. But regardless, they were his close associates. And among those who were with Daniel in the kingdom of the Medes, there were those presidents. There were three of them. Daniel was the chief the senior, and the others, perhaps they were, well, maybe they had their sights upon being the right-hand man to Darius the king. But they were not going to be slated for that position. Daniel was, and they despised him for that. And they began to work and to do what they could do to see that he would be torn down from that place and they would be exalted in that position instead. And so they worked on a plan. This was the team working behind the scenes in their agenda to convince the king that to advance his visible power and his prestige in the empire he would be very wise to sign a decree for a short time, 30 days, whereby no one would ask anything of any god or man except to him. And so they forged this deceptive plan to lead King Darius to make a law that would make it illegal to ask any request of anyone else but him. And of course, behind that, the reasoning would be that the people of the nation would then see how magnanimous King Darius really was because they would all be coming to the king and they would be asking their request and the king in many circumstances for sure would be able to grant that request with all liberality. And his esteem as a king would be elevated very, very high across the entire empire. And the king thought, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity even among the kingdom that I have defeated for them to see I'm not such a bad guy after all. Because there's nothing like getting the people on your side. They'll then work with you and they will work for you. And so, the king enacted such a thing. But we also know well the background of the man who was under attack in this decree being made. And at that point, Darius did not sniff that out. 
though you think that he would have known enough about the counselors and other princes and presidents that he would have understood this. And so we're presented now with the character of Daniel in this stage of the account and story. We already know much about him from previous reading, that he was a man of integrity and of humility, a man who lived very clean in an unclean world. And in his day, that empire was full of immorality and filth. It was full of an empire and a nation that did anything and everything to satisfy the people and keep them happy. And so nothing was restrained, and there was no real moral standard apart from whatever standard society would have tolerated at that time. And as we're seeing today in our nation, in our city, in our province, that the only moral standard that will float in the day is the moral standard that will be acceptable by all of society. Because, you see, once God's standard of morality has been rejected, anything goes. At least anything that will be tolerated within the democratic view of a society that has, for the most part, rejected God and rejected His Word. Daniel lived in such a day. We have thought about him having an excellent spirit, a man who was resolute in his faith, a man who lived for God on purpose. His life was not aimless. He was not just putting in time, living out one day after another, wondering what his future retirement would look like. Not so. He was a man of God, of faith, of humility, a man who lived his life on purpose to the glory of God. Friend, I ask you tonight, does that reflect your life? I ask myself that question. Does it reflect my life? And this man of God was fully aware of the implications of the new law that had been signed into effect. And he knew what it would mean for his personal faith. He had established a pattern of prayer in his life, for he prayed regularly. And as we read in Psalm 55, as David prayed evening and morning and at noon, we could assume that Daniel did the same thing. But we thought in other messages that praying three times a day is a good thing. It's a good practice, a good habit. But by no means is that the end of our praying. By no means was this the limitation of Daniel's praying, for he communicated with his God continually. He was a man of prayer all day, every day. We could almost say 24-7, apart from his sleeping hours. But even as he put his head upon his pillow at night, did he not call out upon the Lord? Did he not do as David said when he rested upon his bed, he called out unto the Lord? And so, believers, you and I, we will do the same thing. We will communicate with the Lord from morning until night. His windows 
were open in his chamber toward the Lord. And so he was always a man ready for prayer. He was a man who counted faithfulness unto God of greater value than even a law that restricted his spiritual work. But he would not be deterred by that. He would not be sidetracked. No, he took his command from his God as more important than a law that had been made in the land that he was accountable to. And you can be sure that Daniel respected and honored the laws of the land with which he lived. He was a man who believed that his testimony before God would be served by doing what he could in honoring and keeping the laws of the land. Later on, as he responded to King Darius, he said, King Darius, live forever. Well, that was a very common word of respect, of honor to the king. It would be similar to what we would have sung about our queen that God would preserve and protect and keep. And so Daniel was not a man who was just living his life his own way. He was not off doing his own thing. He was a man who respected authority and who gave honor where honor was due and as far as he could. He was known for who he was and for what he was, and this provided the exact recipe for those who hated him because they were unable to find anything else against the man apart from his faith. And so, as we think about the message tonight, Daniel guilty of praying, found guilty of praying, it is that we would learn tonight and the Spirit would write upon our heart that if we are found guilty of anything against our government, it would be in obedience to God's holy word that our government will have to come against us upon the truth of the word that which we stand and upon our Christian convictions. And let it be for the obedience of God's word and that we will be found faithful on that ground and in that ground alone. I want you to notice in the first place tonight the indictment that was brought against this man of God. The indictment that was brought against it. We're told in verse 11, then these men assembled and they found Daniel praying. Then these men assembled. It was after the decree had been signed and published in the nation, certainly in the city and around where Daniel was. And these men, well, who was this? Who were they? 
they were the two presidents and all of the princes that had assembled to first of all convince Darius that he needs to make this law because they had planned and schemed. We know Daniel. We know if there's only one area we're going to get at him, it's going to be according to his faith. And so they realized he is a man of prayer. He is a man of faithful prayer. He is a man that we have traced the habit of this man. Every day he goes and he prays three times. So this is where we're going to get him. And these men, they assembled and they found Daniel praying. And how did this happen? Apart from spies being sent and hiding out in the very chamber, the house of Daniel, the private place where he sought his God. And they were in a place to both hear and to record what this man was doing, his private activity. And every word, you could be certain, every supplication that he made was being transcribed. It was being written down because they were building a case against this man and they were building a case that was going to be his downfall. They were building a case that would strip him from the senior position of government upon the only ground that they could possibly get anything on him. And so they were building an iron-clad case. And they were going to be able to bring to court. And my friends, there are times in our life where it may well be that we will be arrested and charged and indicted with a crime that has to do with where we stand in our faith and on the Word of God. And it may well be that those are scouring the internet even now to examine the words that are preached from this pulpit They are examining words that are being spoken from faithful pulpits of the Word of God to gather information, to gather words that are being spoken, to gather and assess how is it that we might bring down a ministry, a work that is a thorn in our side that is an obstruction to the work that we are trying to accomplish in our land. And that investigation is going on as we speak. There are cyber police. There are those people who are examining social media. There are big tech organizations that are evaluating who is on the politically correct side and who is not. And it's being tabulated. And the words that Daniel spoke in his private room, in his prayers, somehow they got hold of those communications. And they wrote them down. And we're told in verse 11... Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making 
supplication before his God. I wonder to myself, what supplication was Daniel making at the time, and what did they record? Whoever and however they were doing it, they were told, you get every word down. I would be sure of that. Get every supplic, everything this man is speaking. Well, what would Daniel be praying about? Well, we learned in verse 10 that when he was, went to prayer, he was praying with thanksgiving to God. And so he would lift his worship and his praise to the God of heaven, and he would praise the Lord, thanking him for a new day, thanking him for the strength that he had to live the day, thanking God for the graces that he had given to him, thanking God for the knowledge that he had of the living and the true God of heaven and earth, thanking God for the sovereign being that he was and how he had overseen all things. And I wonder, friend, if he was making supplication for his king, if that would also have been recorded that day, because Daniel was a faithful man praying for those in authority over him, as God commands. And he would have been praying for all of these things. I, I don't have any doubt about it. But I wonder, was Daniel making supplication for those other two presidents and for those princes? As a faithful man of prayer, praying for his friends and even praying for his enemies, that was the Spirit of the Lord. And whatever he did pray and whatever supplications he did make, he had faced his enemies before. And this righteous man, he would not be overcome with a bitter, envying spirit. He knew exactly what was behind that law and decree being made. He knew what those men were up to. He had faced his enemies before, but calmly he went about his business as he had done before, and he went about his praying. And I wonder if we would also have the same conviction that if we knew what was in front of us, if we knew what God had commanded, and we knew what the outcome was going to be, would we continue? Would we progress on? These men in the indictment, they, in verse 12, rehearsed the law before the king. Note what they said. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree, and they asked a question. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. And still, in the answer that is given by Darius, he said, Yes, the thing is true. According to the law of the Medes and Persians that altereth not, you can, you can almost see the man. He's, he's going to stand his ground. He's going to make... Yes, absolutely. I say, yes, I made that decree. Yes, I signed that. Yes, the decree has gone out. And yes, it cannot be changed because I'm the king. And we have the mighty nation of the Medes and Persians and it doesn't alter. Babylon's laws, they may have altered, but not ours. 
It was a moment again of of his pride of the king. But he did not realize what was coming next because not only did they rehearse the law before the king, they then presented the accused. They now brought their evidence. And verse 13 tells us that. They answered and said before the king, that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, that Daniel, which is of the captivity of Judah, What were they doing as they were saying that in this indictment? They were involved in character assassination, character muddying. And it's as old as the hills. It goes on today. It went on in Daniel's day, and it went on a long time before he lived as well. The attempt to set up questions about the background about the qualifications, about the potential bias, and any other smear label qualification possible to make the accused look bad. They could not get anything on this man. You remember earlier in chapter 6, they scoured and examined everything about his character. They couldn't get anything on him. They looked at everything in his political career, and they could not get anything. He was squeaky clean. And so, they now bring to the king, oh, we do have someone who has broken this law. It's that Daniel, that guy. Not this man, that Daniel, who is is really just a He's just a common slave. He is from Judah. Do you remember, do you know Judah, Nebuchadnezzar defeated them, Babylon, years ago? That country that has caused so many issues for so many people, and they think that they are the chosen of God. But we are the mighty Medo-Persian Empire, and now look what this man has done. And they present the accused. Well, they have a crowning argument. And the crowning argument they have against them is willful rebellion. Because again in verse 13, they say that this child of captivity, a common slave of Judah, this man regards not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. So there is a crowning aspect of this indictment. And they bring it to the king. Not only is this slave of Judah, he should not ever be in the place. They didn't say that. He should not be in a place of being so high in the kingdom. But now look what he has done. He has totally rejected your authority, king, And he has totally disregarded the law that you have just set into place in motion. Now, whether or not these presidents and princes knew the the desire that the king had toward Daniel, 
knew his liking toward him, knew his, the fact that he admired him. How much they knew of that, it's unclear because whatever they were trying to do, they were trying to present Daniel as a villainous character. They were trying to present him as someone who is a, a treasonous character against the kingdom. And of course, the judgment upon treason, well, the king has already made that very, very clear. Daniel did not regard the king's law. And if, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in our day, if when we face the charges that will be brought against us for speaking out of order, for going against the common good of our land, for uh, a sin of non-compliance with the moral degradation going on today. But it's not just non-compliance. It's the fact that we are not wholeheartedly affirming and supporting diversity, as they call it, And if we do not wholeheartedly support this, then that's going to become the target area of attack against the people of God and against faithful churches that are endeavoring to stand for His truth. And that's what they brought against Daniel. The second thought I leave with you tonight is that all appeals were rejected and failed But who was making the appeal? You will notice that it was not Daniel that was making any defense of himself, but it was the king of the empire. He was now the one making the appeals. And we notice that the king was grieved with himself when he heard of what was being done. Verse 14, Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself. He was so discouraged with his own decision. In a moment, in a single moment, the king realized all that had transpired and all that he had done. Because he now realized that Daniel, the greatest man in his empire, a man who he was exalting, even going to be beyond the senior president, he now is a man facing the judgment that he himself had set aside the lions for this treasonous act of asking something of any other god or man apart from King Darius. And the king was distressed and grieved with himself. There was remorse in his heart. You notice that he doesn't blame those other characters at this point because he certainly would have known now it crystallized in his mind what was going on. Why didn't he blame someone else? He's the king. Couldn't you blame someone else for doing this? No, but it was a moment a moment of reflection, a moment when everything had come clear to him now. And his heart was toward Daniel 
Because this king knew that in this man who was in his kingdom was an excellent spirit. That's why he was elevated to such a position. And he was afraid now of what he had done. And I don't have any doubt that fear gripped the heart of this man and great discouragement. And he, he tried everything he could. We're told in verse 14 that the king was displeased with himself and that he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. He did everything. He went back to see, could this law be altered? Could we find some loophole here where it would not be enforced? Is there any way? He had all the lawyers that would be available to the kingdom. He had everything at his disposal but every time they ran into a roadblock, well, no, you can't do that. The law of the Medes and Persians. He said, well, what about this? The law of the Medes and Persians altereth not. And so at the end of the day, when all had been exhausted, the sentence now had to be passed. And in verse 16, the king commanded, and they brought Daniel, and they cast him into the den of lions. When all else had been exhausted, there was swift compliance because the king and his honor was at stake of holding back on the very obedience that the law and the constitution of the Medes and Persians demanded. And so he called for the thing to be completed. In the den of lions, Daniel was sent there. And we are told that they rolled a large stone over the mouth of the den of lions. And they sealed that stone with the king's ring, and also they sealed it with the Lord's as well. Whether or not this was Medo-Persian custom or whether the lords were putting pressure on the king because they did not want that seal to be broken, no other authority could be removed and open that, the, the, the door of the lion's den. I sometimes wonder, why was that rock put on the den of the lions? Was it so that Daniel's friends could not come and rescue him and take him out? Or was it because the lions could not get out? Because once Daniel went in, they were very, very afraid of him. We will come to that in the next time we, we speak on that message, on the message. But I want to encourage you tonight as we close the meeting, because there was, as the sentence was passed, and as there was swift compliance and the den of lions was sealed after Daniel was put in, there was encouragement that came to Daniel from an unlikely place. And we find that in verse 16. Because then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel, and they cast him into the den of lions, now the king spake and said 
unto Daniel. Whether this happened before he was cast in, or did the king shout down into the den of lions? But look at what King Darius said. This is fascinating. Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. My dear friends, this is an amazing statement that is made by this king. We up to this point don't know anything about the spiritual state of King Darius. But I suggest to you, and there is evidence from the end of the chapter that we'll come to next time, I suggest to you that there was a moment of spiritual awakening and understanding that came to this man's mind. He knew about Daniel. He knew the history of this man. He knew the God that, well, he knew about the God that Daniel worshipped. And note what he said. The testimony of Daniel has now come to the surface in the mind of this man. Daniel, the God who you worship continually. He knew that about the man. And the God that you worship continually and serve He will deliver you. God is able to deliver. Oh, we trust in that. We know that. As God's people, we know that even at those times our faith may be very weak, we trust and know the living God is able to deliver us. But when someone who we don't know is a believer or not, and we don't know that they have trusted God, when they say that to us, My, that's some encouragement coming from an unusual quarter, an unusual place. Would Daniel have taken encouragement from that statement? He knew that Darius had done this not out of an anger or willfulness against him. He knew that Darius had been confused and, well, he'd been duped into it. But Daniel, no indication of any bitterness that he has against the man. But he will take encouragement as it would come from this unlikely place. Thy God. And as Daniel was cast down into that den of the the lions, my God, whom I serve continually, is with me, and I need fear no evil. Daniel was walking through the valley of the shadow of death at that moment. For all he knew, his life was finished. He was an older man. He had lived a life for God. Maybe now he was going to wear a martyr's crown. Maybe now he would be like John Brown, the Scottish covenanter. Maybe he would be shot dead or chewed apart by these lions as a testimony to God. Did Daniel know? But my God, whom I serve continually, is with me. And dear brother and sister tonight, your God whom you worship and serve is with you. Christ has promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Can we put that into the bank of our hearts? Taken from the bank of heaven? Oh, I say to you, it is real currency. It is better than 
all the gold of this world. It is the sure word of the God of heaven. And we can rest in Him tonight. And we can trust in Him tonight. And I don't know, friend, what trial you are specifically facing. But I can tell you this. Your God is able to deliver you. And He is able to set you free. And let us say, as the three Hebrew children did, as they were facing the fiery furnace, they they said to Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, we believe our God is able to deliver us. But if He chooses not to deliver us, we are not going to bow down before your idol. And Daniel said, whether or not my God delivers me from the lions, he did not know. But he knew this, my God that I serve continually, I will not compromise my faith. I will not turn away. I will press forward and onward in my service for Him. And may God strengthen our hearts and encourage us to go on and to press on and to keep going in this day of great compromise and confusion and the total rejection of God and His Word. But we are called to be a light. And let us be that bright light that shines in a dark world. Because at the end of it all, whether we are taken away with a martyr's crown, or whether Christ comes back to receive us, or whether we die and go to be with Him, It is a win-win-win situation. For we have every good reason to be of good cheer, to be of good courage, for our Savior has overcome this world. Let's bow in prayer. Dear Father, tonight I pray that there would be some encouragement and help for a believer that may be going through a struggle that we know nothing about. But Lord, you know every detail. It may be someone in this church physically. It might be someone online watching tonight. Lord, I pray that you would bless your people and that you would increase and strengthen our faith For we have no might in ourselves, Lord. We cannot stand by our own power. But Lord, You are able to make us stand in this day and time. And so, fill us with Your Spirit and power. Enable us and quicken us and encourage our hearts. And dear Father, help us to be a witness. Make us soul winners for Christ Jesus. And Lord, what about any here who are not saved? I pray that they would surrender their heart to Jesus and they would come to trust and know Him as their own. Hear our prayer tonight. Part us in your fear and with rich and mighty blessing. And may this incoming week be a week of advancing spiritually in every area of our lives. We ask for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.